Hi, I'm Neville J. McKenzie, and you're listening to Asia Biz Stories, Entrepreneurs in Action, in partnership with the Brunel Alumni Association, Singapore. This time it's different. It's Chris Pardee asking me the questions. Let's start by letting you know this about me. I grew up in London. At school, I wanted to be a scientist, but became a radar test engineer after gaining an HND in electrical and electronic engineering. I then moved into the world of information technology systems as a field engineer before leaving work to study a degree in computer studies with business studies. Up until this point, I played volleyball, first as a junior international and then as a senior international for England. After graduating, I worked for 10 months before the dot-com crisis forced me out of work in October 2001. In February 2002, I was teaching in China, where I remained for over 14 and a half years before moving to Singapore in 2016, where I now reside. This conversation is the eighth and final in the pilot for the Brunel Alumni Association Singapore. The format is based on Entrepreneurs in Action, and we are looking to evolve it into a standalone podcast series focused on Brunel alumni based in Singapore. Send your ideas and suggestions to me on LinkedIn or in person at the next Brunel Alumni Association meetup in Singapore. So now, without further delay, let's begin. Uh, okay, this is Chris Pardy, the uh, uh, lead of the alumni group in uh, Singapore for Brunel University. Um, we're doing an interview with Neville McKenzie, who has kindly agreed to do podcasts for us for the last uh, 12 months. And it's now his turn to be the subject of the podcast, telling us his his story. Thanks, Chris. Excellent. Welcome, Neville. Thank you for all that you've done so far. Could you tell me about the interesting aspects of your life and your career to date? Where do I start? I'm not sure if you're aware, I played volleyball for England. I started off as a radar engineer, then a, then a computer engineer. Then I went to university. That was Brunel. After that, I then worked for 10 months. Dot-com crisis came and I was last in first out. And then somebody sent me an email teaching China for a year. I said, why not? That was October... 2001. Three months later, three, four months later, February, I was in China teaching in a college to university-aged students and stayed in China for 14 and a half years before moving to Singapore. Excellent. The basics. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, tell me about your views about living and working in in Singapore as a, as an entrepreneur now compared to your your life in China after i arrived in china it was a big change big cultural change a lot of my friends which i now realize thought to themselves why china i'd been studying actually japanese and italian for a while after graduating from brunel and moving to china was a big surprise for most people I think it was more the the cultural aspect because at that time China was a big unknown for most people and still is for most people that it was the change in culture that was that appealed to me which is why I remained in China for so long I I enjoyed the 
the changes that were going on. I enjoyed teaching. I then went on to uh, work for a German manufacturing consultancy when the financial crisis hit. Ended up working in a foundry after that. I found that I was learning a lot about myself, learning a lot about history, because Chinese history or Chinese world history and Chinese history is very different from European or British history or American history. It's presented in a very different way from a completely different aspect. And then moving to Singapore, it was almost moving back to London, not quite the same. Singapore is sort of a combination between Shanghai and the UK, for me anyway. It was like going back home, but hot. <laughs> and like with the last few days, lots of rain. Singapore's had uh, quite a few ratings as the, one of the best places to, to start up a business and to be an entrepreneur. Have, have you found it that way? Personally, I would say I would say China was better for me because in China, it's more individual. It's more personal. It's more what you can get on with on your own. While in Singapore, what I'm seeing is that if you're a, a sort of corporate person, you've come out because you've, your company sent you to Singapore, it's a lot easier to then move from that to become an entrepreneur. The route I took, I always say to myself, I shouldn't have ended up either in China or Singapore because my education route was very different from most people. Most people, they go to school, then they graduate from school, they go to university, they graduate from university, they get their corporate job, then they work for a few years, and then they may be sent abroad. In my case, I didn't go to a very good school, which set me back academically. I ended up with an HND in electrical and electronic engineering, went into radar as a test engineer. I then moved on from that into computing. After computing, that's actually when I went to university as a mature student. When I graduated, that's when I worked for 10 months. I then went to China more as an individual rather than as a corporate being sent by a company, which then set me up for that more, I suppose, hustling kind of, although I don't like the word hustling, set me up in a, in a different framework. Being in Singapore now, I'm finding that my role isn't a role that particularly appeals to the Singaporean authorities, but more that they're looking for big business. They're looking for big business to come to Singapore and invest tons of money into Singapore. Whereas my role, I see as somebody that's shows a determination of personal character and resilience, those more individualistic qualities in order to get a business going rather than going out and saying, I have this idea, I want 50 million in investment. I'm more doing it from the grassroots up. What are your hopes and dreams for this year? And do you see yourself staying in Singapore? I'd like to stay in Singapore. Going back to the UK doesn't really appeal to me. You know, Singapore, depending on how things change in the near future in Singapore. 
let's talk a little bit about the uh, the, the Brunel alumni. How, how long have you been uh, involved, and and what what do you enjoy about uh, being part of the Brunel alumni in Singapore? Meeting people as a way of networking, and also getting to know people in Singapore. Because one of the things I've noticed is that in China, I found it actually found it easier to meet people and make friends. Singapore, I think because of the competitiveness of Singapore, and I think this is well known, and people are more focused on their work and on their families and on business. So it's very difficult to break into that as an as somebody that is seen as transient temporary from the singapore perspective i think for a singaporean how do you get to know somebody that may be here for two three years and develop a in-depth friendship so what the brunel alumni association allows is to meet people that have a common connection a common affinity for each other even if they're coming from various different backgrounds they've all that common connection which i think is important when when you're getting to know somebody both stanley and cj had that connection through the henley so i was able to interview them and just generally get to know more about them and a better understanding of singapore and then my most recent conversation with kelly I think I've got to know her quite well through her journey in looking for a career change. And then Lawrence, I mean, who was the first, I don't want to say guest, but because he's not really a guest, he's more of a friend now. Getting to know him and visiting his workshop at the airport, I found that really interesting. So it sort of ties in with the, the podcasting, which gets me a bit further. But also I think that's something that, Brunel alumni can do anyway, just say, let's go for a coffee and show me what you do, just out of interest and curiosity. And I think that's that's one of the things that, you know, I have that curiosity. You helped the Brunel Singapore Association win the uh, Alumni Association Award of the Year by committing to these podcasts. I think uh, if I look at your Asia Biz Stories website, you have uh, 68 stories already and uh, you will be number 69 that's been a part of, of your brunel alumni experience that uh, you've you've helped us this year and by volunteering to do those podcasts last year it uh, it helped us win the uh, alumni association of the year i enjoy it because it, it fits in with my podcasting when i started in china it was more of a hobby i started it in 2014 and I've got to the point now where after exploring a number of avenues, trying to personally find a job in a company, podcasting is the way I've got to go. So let me just give you a, a rundown of how, how I got into podcasting. I started in 2014 in China. I'd been attending some entrepreneurial meetups. I couldn't really think of an idea. Most of the entrepreneurs there were, were making something manufacturing. I just felt that I wouldn't be remaining in China forever. So I need something that I could take with me. And one of those was to record presenters and then put it on a website of a friend of mine. And he agreed. 
I did that. And I think I did about eight. I can't remember exactly. And then I thought, oh, I could turn this into a podcast. So I changed it into a podcast, re-edited them, got my own branding, which is becoming a bit dated now. Gave it the name Asia Biz Stories. Uh, interviewed entrepreneurs in China, India, Hong Kong, and Singapore. Excellent. Yeah, you've, you've, you've done a lot of work for the association this year, and you've been nominated by the group for the International Alumni of the Year Award for, for this year. What, what would it mean to you to win that award, and, and, and would it help your podcast business, do you think? I think it would definitely help. Um, it would be a great – I think, it, for me, it would be a great achievement because it would show – that the work I've done since 2014 is paying off. A lot of people ask me the question, or many people ask me the question, how do you make money out of podcasting? And there are lots of ways of making money. I can show people how to make money, but my journey has been sort of taking the backroom role. How did you get to Brunel? I was driving along in my car. And I look over, I see the uh, the Wandsworth Education Shop. And the idea of doing a degree had been with me for a while. I pulled over, walked in, and asked them, how do I get to university at my age? So I said, it's relatively quite easy. Fill out the UCA form. And I remember when I was at school, uh, when I filled out the UCA form, I'd been rejected by everyone. And so I felt that I was not university material for that reason and other reasons. Filled it out and every university that I applied for accepted me except one, and that was Brunel. <laughs> they said I needed to qualify based on my results. And since I already had all my results, I had all my experience as a mature student, I think I sent an email or uh, made a phone call to explain the situation. Then a few days later, I got the acceptance to Brunel. And the reason why I chose Brunel was as an engineer, Brunel was one of the best engineers in the UK historically. And I just felt as an engineer, Brunel would be fitting. I studied computer studies and business studies. I did a combined degree and left to study full-time for three years. What were the years that you did your studying in, in Brunel? It was 97 to 2000, just before the dot-com crisis. Taking a risk. It, yeah, I've, and that's that's the other thing. I've always taken risks. I don't think they're stupid risks. They're, they're risks in terms of what my curiosity entailed. I'd saved, as Kelly re reminds me in her conversation, that she she had savings, but she didn't use them because she became a student ambassador. If I'd known that, then I would have become a student ambassador and boosted my income. But I didn't realize there was such a thing. Maybe, maybe they, weren't, they weren't student ambassadors in 97 to 2000. So I'd, I'd saved up enough money to last me the three years. And then off I went. I think it was a good, good decision because if I didn't have the degree, then I wouldn't have been able to go to China because China required at the time all teachers to have a degree. It's changed that you would need a teaching qualification or at least a language teaching qualification. After my first year, I went back to the UK 
and thought to myself, well, maybe I should get a proper teaching qualification. And I did an intensive one and then went back to China, which then it wasn't until a few years later when they changed the regulations that it came in handy. Back to Singapore, you have to be more of an academic, which I think is a pity in a way. I think there's a room, there's more room for the practical experience to be passed on rather than the academic. I hope I don't get in trouble for that. You don't have to put it in if you don't want to. Okay. Um, yeah, Brunel's become quite a big sporting university, and I think you've got a uh, a big history in, in sports, in particular volleyball. You mentioned you'd, you'd play for England. Tell, tell me a bit more about your, your volleyball experiences. I started playing when I was about 14 or 15, and it was a coach that was very intense about the sport himself. He was very motivated about volleyball. He played for a local team based in London. His enthusiasm definitely rubbed off on me. By the time I was 16, I was playing in the European Cup. I was one of the starters at 16. I made the senior national team at 21, and I played from 81 to 90 for the England national team. Through volleyball, that I learned a lot about working within a team environment. The fact that you had to train Volleyball isn't football or cricket in the UK or rugby as it is now. Volleyball was is a part-time sport. And what I found was that clubs tended to train two, three nights a week. And then they left it up to you to work on your own fitness and the rest of it. And I had no problem basically training every day. But yeah, I, I learned a lot from sport. And I think when I when I had our when we had our conversation for the podcast, and you said you you received your job based on your sporting endeavors, and that was one of the reasons why the company employed you at the time was because of your sport. That would have been interesting if I'd pushed that side of me. So you know, I, I play sport, I understand that team dynamics, but it was something I wasn't aware of at the time. Did you play volleyball while you were at Brunel? There were a couple of games with a Brunel team, um, but there weren't many. By then, you know, after playing for over over 20 years, when I left my job, I also left volleyball as well. I stopped playing volleyball basically because it had been it had been a drain on my career. I enjoyed it. It it had it, it was one of the things that had the positive and the negative. Because, you know, a lot of companies, if if you told them that you played for the national team, this was the feeling at the time. If you said, yeah, I play national team, I'm going to require time off to go and play in the European Cup or in the Spring Cup or in different competitions, it was felt, you know, you didn't want to tell a company that. I would use my actual holiday to represent England. And did you go into coaching at all? Well, I actually started coaching while I was still at school. You know, I was that enthusiastic about volleyball. I coached in a few youth centres, one in Tower Hamlets. I learned a lot. And I also coached at Dulwich College. And have you done any coaching in Singapore or China? I did a bit in China. I haven't done any in Singapore. Okay, well, I, 
just like again to to thank you for the for the podcast work you've done for for Brunel alumni and hope that it does help your your business and that uh, you will be successful with the uh, nomination for the international alumni award excellent well, i think um i really need to to wrap up now and uh, it's been good conversation as as we've had many good conversations at, at the brunel alumni uh, again like to thank you for all the work you've you've done for the singapore alumni group and uh, wish you success for the future of the asia biz stories and the uh, many more podcasts to come excellent yeah thanks chris pleasure be in touch over the next few days bye 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 a special thanks to those that participated in this series lawrence mario ben stanley cj kelly and of course you chris for reversing the roles i wish all of you the best and look forward to seeing you at future meetups listeners if you want to get in touch Remember you can find me on LinkedIn and Instagram or visit asiabizstories.com where there are relevant links from this episode. If you're a current Brunel student looking for help with your career, feel free to reach out to any of us. And if you're a Brunel alumnus living in Singapore, we'd love to meet you in person at the next meetup.